Hey, this is Amelia. I'm a recently graduated art therapist, and I'm trying to understand how to practice art therapy in the face of a changing world. A world where we can't always see our clients in person, and one where every society on earth is feeling the effects of an international health crisis. I made this show because I want to get to the root of what art therapy is and how the COVID pandemic changed it and the innovative ways that we can respond to this moment in history, politically, clinically, and creatively. I couldn't think of a better person to speak with for the first episode than Kate Leppard. She literally teaches the class on how to adapt art therapy for the digital world. Kate is a certified art therapist based in Nelson, British Columbia, where she's faculty at the Kootenai Art Therapy Institute. She runs open art studios, therapy groups for women, therapy groups on dream work, and sees individual clients. She has also been working online for more than five years and offers courses to teach art therapists how to build a web presence, advertise, and structure and hold digital sessions. Her work is so timely as our field is shifting more and more towards online work. Kate is just the perfect therapist to start this dialogue about the future of creative healing. Thanks for joining the conversation. This is Art Therapy IRL in real life. I'm your host, Amelia Hutchison. Thank you so much for joining me. (laughs) You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So to start off with, this is a show for everybody. Um, People who are in the field of art therapy, other mental health professionals and services. Uh, It's for artists, but it's also for people who have never heard of art therapy. So since you're the very first interview of the podcast, um, I would love it if you do the honor of answering the big question to get us started off. What is art therapy? What are we talking about when we say that word? Well, it's a bit of a complex idea. I mean, it can be a lot of things to many different people. Um, But to me, it's a way to symbolically heal. And when I say that, I mean use different objects in order to act out or symbolize what's going on deep in your unconscious. So just for some context for folks who maybe have no idea what an art therapy session would look like, can you describe what someone might expect walking into an art therapy studio? Um, it's a space where you would walk in, there's probably a table, some soft lighting, it's contained, the door can close um, so that there's privacy and confidentiality. Um, there will be uh, lots of different materials ranging from anything you can imagine, all your traditional materials to recycled objects, to clay, to, to things that you can make sculptures with. Um, there's usually large pieces of paper, small pieces of paper, everything in between. Sometimes we do slime and goop and all those kind of things or even volcanoes, really depending on what the needs are of the client. And it's just really a space for someone to come and explore. Um, and really take out the ideas that are inside of you and get to see them and dialogue with them. And so a lot of people come and they're like, I'm not an artist, I can't do this. And it's really this place of allowing yourself to play with materials and just see what comes up. Because there's often this time that there's like an inner knowing for people um, and a bodily felt sense. And when you start to play with materials, ideas can come up and also things that you might not have remembered for 20 years. 
and you get to work with that and heal it and celebrate and reclaim that part of yourself. That's such a beautiful explanation. I think something that can happen in talk therapy is when we speak, we're generally saying something we already know or already feel conscious of. And Mm -hmm. what art therapy does is gives us this encounter with materials and it's more possible than to, to learn something that might not have been already conscious to us. Yeah. Well, yeah. And also I think with talk therapy, there's a lot of defense mechanisms that can come up. Mm -hmm. And so there are parts that we can't access. And there's a good reason often that we can't access. But in art therapy, there's often this place of, you know, going beyond what we think can be possible and addressing things that might not be able to in talk therapy. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what it is we do. It's just getting out finger paints or it's, it's more like recreation, but there's some real theory to Mm -hmm. why, why using art materials is, is super beneficial if words are, are a challenging way of expressing themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, there's theory that supports it, but there's also magic. Like often people come and experience this something other than they realize that they would experience. And yeah, it's grounded in, you know, psychoanalysis and the birth of that. And then we move into the pioneers like Margaret Nornberg and, and kind of how we've evolved from there. And now we're much more doing a kind of relational based therapy um, and seeing how relationships exist and, and how, our, how we relate to the world and how we relate to people. And But then there's this like sprinkling of magic, something other that's like a deep knowing in our bodies that's sometimes really hard to access that really comes out by doing art therapy. I'm so happy you use the term magic and and hold that with some reverence. I think a a term we often use is honoring a felt sense. And that comes, you know, hand in hand with all the different theories and working from a trauma-informed approach, but really honoring in our clients that there is an internal wisdom that they can trust and art materials can help people do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our job really isn't to, to be the one who's like, this is the answer. We like support people to actually find the answer within them. So we've jumped right into a bigger conversation about what art therapy is, why it's effective. Um, I think that's the perfect starting place, but I want to backtrack just a little bit. Curious about you not only as an art therapist, but also as an artist. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about the creative foundation of your life? What is the origin story of your own creative practice? Mm, Wow. Um, That's a really interesting question. And I think the thing that springs to mind is being about three or four years old and in a nursery school in England. And I was I was actually like kind of dotting on paper and um, and I explained to one of the people there, one of the caregivers, um, oh, this is what rain, this is rain. And I remember them saying, no, rain should be like this and then drawing lines. And realizing from that early age that I had this felt sense of what rain feels like. It's this kind of dotting and... And then being told, no, that isn't how it is. And so that was like a very pivotal moment for me of like really experiencing my own knowingness and then that being counteracted with the world. And 
somehow I wasn't put off from art and creativity, although I could have been, right? If I had been a different child, maybe I'd have just been, that would have been shut down and maybe I didn't create art for the rest of my life and I became an engineer or, or something. But luckily for me, it was very supported in my family environment and a lot of creativity and making and playing and creating forts and all that kind of things. And yeah, very permissive parents. And then um, going through really taking art very seriously at school and being encouraged by my teachers and my parents to really hold that piece, even though we were seeing career counselors that would be like, oh no, art isn't a career, you can't be an artist, and just still going with that. And um, yeah, and then moving into uh, fine art and history of art as a BA. And then coming out of that, actually quite uh, disillusioned because I, I went to a very conceptual uh, art school and I didn't always get to do the project I wanted. They really pushed me to kind of use industrial materials and, and kind of channel into that realm. And then I was lucky enough to go and work with uh, children who were refugees and asylum seekers and use art and dance and drama as a modality for healing mm. and get my first experience of uh, meeting an art therapist and seeing her working in that context. Yeah, and always I think there was this kind of battle for me against of my own felt sense and what the world was telling me. Mm-hmm. And then just really um, somehow having this willingness inside me to keep going. <laughs> like you said before, so many people have that experience at age three. They're told they're drawing the rain wrong. And then something, the creative spark fizzles out the kind of Mm -hmm. inner artist child stops developing right then and there. And, you know, how many times have we both had clients who've come into the studio on the first day and said, oh, I can't draw a stick person. Yeah. So it strikes me as this incredible privilege. And we talk a lot about how it is we use our privilege. So I think many art therapists had this privilege of growing up without that inner artist being squashed. So Mm -hmm. the role of the art therapist now is to kind of help people kind of come into that for themselves. Yeah. Well, and I think that leads on to a really important point, which um, Eisner makes uh, in Arts and the Creation of Mind. And he talks about imagine a society that has no imagination. And it's so impoverished that we actually can't create new ideas and ways of thinking because we haven't had that practice. And I think that's this vital part. Like if we aren't allowed to imagine and draw and create and and develop this ability, that reflects in the whole of the society we live in. Mm -hmm. And that is very dangerous to me, which is why I feel like it's so important that we keep like funding the arts and schools. We keep encouraging imagination, creativity, whether it's in the therapy environment or not. The art therapist out of Toronto, Rapinder Kaur, she's also an activist. I know you're familiar with her Mm -hmm. too. She speaks of this incredible quality of moral imagination. And just there's such a clear link between social justice and change and healthy, thriving communities and the ability to make art and the ability Mm -hmm. to imagine. Yeah. And it can be quite scary for some people. And I think that's also this why a lot of people want to shut it down is because there is this fear of the unknown and what happens when you tap into this resource inside of yourself. I want to just explain why you're the first guest on the show. And it's because you're the first person that made me feel hopeful 
about starting Mm. to practice art therapy in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, So this past spring, when I was still a practicum student at the Kootenai Art Therapy Institute, which is where your faculty, uh, my class of 10 students was just a few months shy of graduating when the pandemic hit. We had to stop working with some of our clients. In a few cases where it was appropriate, we could see clients online, but that hadn't been a part of our training. So I felt terrified. I felt like I was about to graduate into a world where the art therapy skills I'd been learning and practicing wouldn't translate. So as this was going on, our class was trying to keep studying and keep working and adapt, but there was this really palpable sense of dread, not knowing how we were going to graduate and then move into the world that seemed to have changed just in an instant. And so then what happened was... I think maybe two weeks before we were set to graduate, you showed up and gave the most incredible workshop about practicing art therapy online. And I even feel a little bit emotional talking about it now. It just, it was like you swooped in and said, okay, (laughs) the things that are sacred and effective and therapeutic about art therapy, we can still do those through a computer screen. And here are a bunch of tools to do that. And, you know, it's been a few months since, since that graduation. Our cohort is using those tools. I'm practicing completely online. So I just, I want to take a moment before we talk about what it is you do and how you do it, just to thank you for mm. giving that to us and um, being this light of hope in the face of so much uncertainty in this career. Mm, you're so welcome. I think for me, when I graduated five years ago, I... I wanted to practice online. I didn't want to have clients for up to two years. And and so I was like, I need to move online. And there was nothing really to support me in that. There was nobody really practicing in that way. And, and it was intense. And I didn't want you to have that. I didn't want you to feel like you were drowning in this pool of one, no resources or, or resources that weren't really fitted to us that I was trying to piece together in this kind of patchwork to create something that was meaningful in the world. When was it that you realized that you wanted art therapy practice to be online? Why was that an important decision for you? Uh, Because I I really like to travel. (laughs) So it was really this place and I wanted to be able to still be connecting with my clients when I was uh, in Thailand and I wanted to be able to like practice when I was here and I didn't want to have this limitations that I felt had been set on me. I you know, a lot of the times we talk about supporting clients for a long term. And I I knew already that I, I mean, it's not that I don't work with people long term. I do, but it's like, I also really value short-term therapy, mm. like six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks. And to do this piece of work, to go in, work with that, and then come out again and be in the world. And my clients do tend to come back, but also some of them don't because they've done the work. And that's really what I want. I want them to just not be perpetually looking at trauma and kind of going through this really intense process in their life. I want them to come, do a piece of work, and then go back into the world, mm. feeling confident, feeling secure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm also hearing in that is that you're valuing your own agency. And mm-hmm. from the get-go, like it's really important for me to be able to move and travel and to still be connected to this work. But it sounds like that's the way of taking care of yourself mm-hmm. as you hold that space for people. Yeah, I didn't want to change who I am and my life because I'm now an art therapist. I I wanted to just really embody who I am. 
So how would you describe the similarities and differences between practicing in a studio with somebody and then practicing uh, through a computer screen? Mm. Good question. I mean, there's lots of differences. There's some similarities. I would say it's different because uh, when people come and see me, they get to choose materials. And I have such a vast array um, that people can kind of go through and and see what's calling to them or speaking to them. Whereas at home, it's much more that they need to be in control of like what materials are in their space, what that looks like for them. Do they need to go out and buy stuff? Are they going to resource and make an art therapy kit from their home? Like whether it's recycled materials, you know, what's available to them. So they become much more the author of what they're going to create rather than having this variety. Um, Also, what's different is um, with adult clients, they'll make art before they see me. So in their spare time, and then we'll spend the uh, session processing the art and looking at it. And sometimes we'll make changes to the art. What does a processing session look like? Can you say more about that? Uh, Yes. So people will email me their art or they'll have it and we'll be working in Zoom and they'll share it on the screen or I will have it on the screen up in front of me and then they will have, I will see them as well. And I mean, it's very similar actually to working in person. We ask similar kind of questions. What do you see? We start in the concrete, then we move to the metaphorical and then the self-reflective. Um, yeah, so it really, I mean, this is the thing. There's been so much research done that actually suggests that working online is as effective as working in person. And as therapists, you know, we need to make some tweaks we have to have a technical competence when we work, which a lot of people aren't really feeling confident in. So I've been doing a lot of work around that with people to support them to really get the bare bones. So it's like, you're not, you know, trying to manage Zoom as well as the same time as doing therapy, you Mm -hmm. know, and you have a confidence that you can pass on to your client because they're also struggling with platforms and, and how to work things. So you have to become a guide as much as the therapist within this work. And so if you're really like, oh, I don't like technology, I don't really want to be doing this, then the clients are going to feel that, you know, we're strength based, mm-hmm. we're about positivity, we're about empowering. And I've had so many clients that have felt so empowered by learning how to share their screen and just being able to share their art. And so it's like another piece that we can actually add to our toolkit rather than believing, oh, it's so hard and we have to go online. It's like, wow, well, what can we do to make it exciting and empowering and inventive and insightful? It's Mm -hmm. another opportunity for self-mastery and for connection. I love that. What do you think we gain when we work online that we can't do in a studio? Oh, so much. So, so, so much. Um, Probably one of the major things is um, that people who haven't been able to access services can actually access and they can actually work with a therapist that suits them, right? Because a lot of people have very specific ways of working and somebody's looking for, say, for example, um, I don't know, uh, somebody who's a specialist in working with somebody who has gone through a cancer battle. And um, before they didn't have, maybe they had one therapist in their community. Now they have access to many therapists and maybe who's even specializing in the type of cancer they have. Maybe they have a support group that they can enter. And suddenly there's this connection and there's this universality that people never experienced before because we've become this global network. Yeah, it's radical accessibility. It makes me so excited to think that therapists can now be just more connected with exactly the right client. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also people who are very isolated, maybe people who have disabilities, who haven't been able to actually leave their homes are able to access services. Mm -hmm. 
An assumption I, I would make or would have made before beginning to practice online is that it's harder to be vulnerable through a computer screen mm-hmm. or that it's just this extra barrier to developing a therapeutic relationship with someone. And I don't know if this has been the same in your experience, but I'm actually finding it easier. Exactly. And like, so the nervous system drops because they're at home and it's like, I am, an, I mean, not always, but mostly people are at home and they feel that they are safe. And so actually one of the things that I've been advising art therapists on is actually sometimes we need to put the brakes on because there can be more disclosure because somebody feels so safe and maybe you're working with a teen and they're in their bedroom and they're, you know, they're in this place of like intimacy, right? And so as therapists naming that place, this is really unusual that I'm in your bedroom environment and you might be feeling more comfortable than usual. So actually being able to put the brakes on when it's coming so fast. Mm. And there's like such a beauty to also seeing in somebody's environment. And I've been doing a lot of work around show me an object, showing your space as a check-in so that people can really like actually share something of themselves, which we don't get. Like we're actually getting a snapshot of where they are, what they're experiencing, how they live. Maybe we even encounter different family members. Like some people I was, I were talking about with different therapists last week were talking that they're actually doing more family therapy now because the mum comes in and they actually get to see this dynamic and this dialogue. I can just feel my own nervous system kind of mm-hmm. dropping into a level of comfort talking about that because I think for so many art therapists graduating in this time, we've been framing this shift as, oh, things are going to be missing. Hearing the way you speak about it, I feel like you know, for better or worse, we've gained some really um, important opportunities to connect in new ways with clients that will serve people in a more accessible way moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in some ways, a more powerful way. And it, it's not that we don't have the skills. We have all the skills. You're still utilizing everything that you've learned. And one of the things that we also learn is how to be adaptive. And so we already have this inbuilt. And so we're just learning how to transition that into this new environment, which has so much potential. And I think so much more can come out of it than we could ever even imagine right now. And I think in five years time, we're going to be sitting here going, wow, that was the birth of something incredible. I mean, we are now, but even more so. So let's talk about the trajectory of your work for a second. You're building something really incredible for art therapists and other kinds of therapists. Can you share a little bit about what that is? Sure. I mean, I... I do, yeah, I, I just feel so excited to share the way that I've worked. I um, started my business by creating a Facebook group, which is Art as Therapy, um, which is where people can come and take part in a free project every month and gain insights and really get a sense of what Art as Therapy is. And then I've been using that as a platform uh, to run courses and different groups. So I've been running dream work, I've been running women's groups from there. And kind of, so that's kind of, they get this free experience and then they can pay to kind of go into a group which is much more contained and held on Zoom. And, and so now I feel like I'm being called to kind of step into much more um, working with emerging therapists, but also therapists who want to be transitioning online. And so I've been uh, training therapists at Kudni Art Therapy and going more into depth with training them how to run virtual open studios, um, sharing how to move on to online. And finally, <laughs> I'm uh, also studying a foundation course. 
uh, for therapists. And so that really is just explaining how I created the structure that I have and really getting people to feel confident. And so that's going to be practical guidance on websites, social media, filming and creating online courses, which is another part that I didn't even speak about how to do that. Um, because I've also run a series of online courses, which have been really successful, running an open studio, using online directives and all the different platforms and structures you can use. I'm, yeah, just, I'm so excited to sign up myself. <laughs> Great. And I was also going to say, and just how to build a relationship, mm. right? How to do that in a way that people because the thing is we have a lot of social media and we're constantly bombarded with videos, but how to build that relationship with potential clients mm. who might want to step into the work because you, you then share something that really resonates with them. And I, and that's what I've been finding in my work because a lot of people, I have almost a thousand people in my Facebook group and a lot of people then come through and, you know, have this experience because every month I've been doing these videos and they've already built relationship, even though I've never meet, met them. And I'll also meet people in the street and they're like, oh my, I, I'm a follow heart space. I love your project. And, and so they already feel like they know me because, and that's how to create this presence. And so within the foundation course, I'm going to show people how to create these videos and they're really very short, but how to get this information across. So you already develop a relationship because I think a lot of the time as therapists, we think, oh, we have to meet the client and we have to kind of build that relationship within the therapeutic space. But actually within social media and online, this happens so much sooner. It's such an interesting consideration. The way we think about relationship in therapy has totally changed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So from the get-go, as we begin to promote ourselves or provide different services online, that's just an extension of the therapy. Oh, that's such an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And making it accessible to like all people. So you're having all these different levels within your business of, so this is going to be the free stuff that you offer. And maybe, and, and people write to me and they tell me, I, I do your project every month. I don't post it within the group because it doesn't feel like a safe environment, but it's changing the way that I think and feel and who I am. And I'm so grateful for that. I mean, this is the other piece I'm really excited about is, you know, art therapy isn't an easy career to make money in. Like we can be really honest about that. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, it's very hard to find a position where you can take insurance. You know, it's not an inexpensive service. So I'm so excited that you're also building some tools into this program to help art therapists bolster themselves professionally. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that's been really successful is actually online courses. And so not doing it as an art therapy base, but you're doing more art as therapy. So people who want to learn something about themselves in a very specific way can take an online course. And so that you create different videos that people can access and then hold on a space at the end where people can process. Can you say a little bit about the difference between art as therapy and art therapy? Because that might not be clear to everybody. Yeah, so art as therapy is much more... Um, that people can kind of gain their own personal insights. It's not so kind of that you're working directly with a therapist. You are kind of being held within this container, but it's it's a bigger container than when you're doing one-to-one or a specific group uh, working on a certain issue, which we much call art therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. It's, a, it's an important distinction to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's a fine line of like, where do we sit as therapists and what can we offer? And, and it really allows us to understand the depth that we're going to go to with our clients. 
And so how we're going to hold them and how we're going to support them in the issues. And when we need to recommend somebody moving from more like artist therapy to art therapy and working directly and being able to refer. And that's another part that I'm really excited about, about this foundation course is also, I want to create uh, an online platform for the people who take it to be able to network with each other. And so then we get to come together and share ideas and have these sessions where we can actually brainstorm together and share best practice and what's working because things are always evolving. And I think that's another really big part that's missing at the moment for therapists is not having an environment. Can you say a little bit about how your energetic or spiritual practices influence the way you work as an art therapist? Mm, good question. I think, honestly, I think it's so intertwined. I can't really separate the two. I think, cool. um, I think a huge part of it is presence. And I think that's what we learn to be as therapists, but that's really also what we're doing in spiritual practice is we learn to observe and be present to what it is and the energies that are moving. And I think this is also, I mean, a lot of people talk about online that you can't feel the other person and that's what's missing, but that hasn't been my experience at all. Like I can feel shifts in energy, like it's very tangible whether somebody is on the other side of the world or they're here. And, and I think my yoga practice and my meditation has been a huge part of grounding myself, especially, you know, when we're in this technological space and just really staying embodied right? And actually feeling into my body, feeling into my breath the whole time, being present, being here, and and then using it as a way to avoid burnout and just keep being resourced and keep being present and keep showing up. And, and yeah, I think it's very important for all therapists to have some kind of practice at the moment to connect to their bodies, especially when they're doing this online work and even encouraging our clients to do this. And, you know, sometimes I'll even do, let's close with a gesture, right? Because then it's like, we want to keep staying in our bodies. We want to keep moving and we want to just not be this square on the screen. We want to like really um, step outside, use natural materials and just keep bringing all of this practice together. I noticed even as you started to say that, you started doing big gestures with your arms and, and moving into your body. Um, but I'm so happy you brought that up. We often frame working in the digital realm as being mutually exclusive to mm-hmm. working with the body or working with a felt sense or working with nature. Yeah. Well, I th- yeah, I think that there's this very strong partnership. And, you know, even we can ask our clients to take their computers or their iPads or whatever outside and make art in nature as long as, you know, it remains confidential or even bring materials inside. But yeah, really encouraging, you know, in the way we work the studio space. So not being afraid to bring Florence Kane in using big pieces of paper and even mailing stuff to our clients so that they have, you know, these packages that they can reuse stuff and, and being very mindful about like what we put into those packages when we send them out. I think that's also what you, you know, this balance, right? And that's also what we have in our spiritual practice. It's like this real balancing out of different energies. And, you know, a lot of theorists talk about that too, compensation with young. And like really that idea of, okay, we're in the screen, we're in a contained space. How do we then like make it more uncontained? How do we become more embodied? And so really also playing with that dialectic and actually using that as part of our practice so that we don't just become restricted in one way, that we get to also see the flip side and allow that to be expressed within our clients. I love that. I love that so much. So my final question for you, Kate, after this big, beautiful conversation about what art therapy is, 
why it works so well, why it's so important for this moment. Um, what is giving you hope right now? Mm, so many things. My students, for sure, like absolutely my students and seeing how they're evolving and growing. The therapists that I come into contact with, sharing their ideas about how they're moving into online therapy. Um, people getting excited about it instead of being fearful and thinking, oh no, this is what we have to do, but actually like seeing the benefits and actually realizing, my God, People have access to whoever they want to work with now. And we also create, get to create communities and connection, which would never have existed. And one of the things that I really questioned in the beginning was, you know, the synchronicities that happen when you work in groups and that sense of universality. And I was like, is this going to happen when I have one woman in India, one woman in Germany, one person in Singapore, then the rest of the people in Canada, can it happen? And there was so much commonality and sharing and, and building of connection. And I think that can only take us to like a more brilliant future, right? If we have more connection, because I think we're living at this time where there's so much polarity and there's so much people against each other, especially um, in this part of the world. And I think there's this real opportunity for, for going beyond that and creating connection and caring and meaningful um, understanding between people that might not have existed before. From, especially from people from different cultures. Thank you for that reframe. It's not that we have to do it in this way now, it's that we get to do it mm -hmm. in this way now and the future of art therapy and the future for just connecting with art and connecting in different healing modalities yeah. is so open. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation, Kate. Uh, if people are interested in participating in your open studios, taking your e-course, um, working with you as a client, where can they find you? They can just go to www.kateleppard.com. And yeah, that's my website. And I have a few videos on the site, but they can also join me on Facebook at HeartSpace. And I think you're going to give the link for that as well, right? Mm -hmm. I'll give all these links in the show notes and make reference to some of the concepts and ideas we were talking about. Great. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Art Therapy IRL is a capstone project in support of graduation requirements for the Kootenai Art Therapy Institute. You can find links to Kate's work on the program notes. Special and heartfelt thanks to Monica Carpendale, Millie Cumming, Nicole LeBihan, and Lisa Heisler. Studio space and technical support have been generously donated by the Knott family. Theme music was mixed by Mina Hebert. Project supervision by Nicole Libihan. This podcast is written and recorded on traditional unceded territory. My deepest gratitude to all ancestors and keepers of this land. Mm -hmm.